When I was in the seminary, I spent um, a little bit of time in El Salvador learning Spanish. And as you may know, El Salvador is a very poor country with many poor people in it. And I heard a story once of um, a priest, or it may have been a bishop, who was visiting uh, some of the pueblos, the towns in the, in the countryside, where uh, a lot of the, the most intense poverty can be found. And he stopped in at this family's house, who weren't expecting him, and all they had for dinner that evening was a single plate of black beans and some rice. Um, the black beans being the kind of protein of the meal. Uh, but all they had was one plate, and they were going to split it among all the family members, which was husband, wife, and maybe three or four children. That was what they had to eat that night. And the priest came unexpectedly, and they immediately, eagerly, divided the beans into half and pushed half of them onto another plate, and that was his dinner. And then the family was going to split. And, of course, the priest said, no, 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 no. I don't need that much. I'll just split it with you, and that's fine. And they insisted, no, 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 Father, this is yours. This is your casa. This is, this is your dinner, and we, we're happy to provide it. And, of course, he ate it uh, politely and uh, was very, very grateful, but so impressed by the generosity of the poor that from the little that they had, they were willing to share so abundantly uh, with this guest. Uh, it didn't hurt that he was a priest. I'm sure that they they felt that they were sharing with God what little they had. But I think of that story every time I hear these ones that we have for our scripture readings this Sunday of the widow of Zarephath and the widow in the temple. That God praises these poor women who barely have anything, but they share it abundantly, the little that they have. The widow in Zarephath sees Elijah during this time of great famine. Actually, Elijah, was the, he's, it's his fault there was a famine in the first place because uh, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel had led the people of Israel astray and worshiping false gods. And as a punishment, God shut up the heavens. And Elijah announced that prophetically to, to Ahab. And for years and years, there was no rain, which meant no food. And not just King Ahab and his people suffered, but all of the people. And this widow, as Elijah's running from Jezebel, who is sending the army out to kill him, he comes upon this widow who has a son and one little jar of flour and one little jar of oil. And she says, I'm just going to eat this, make something for me and my son, and then we're going to die of starvation. And Elijah says, yeah, that's fine, you do that, but make me a cake as well. Which is almost ridiculous, this request that the prophet makes, but he makes a promise with it. that If you're generous with what little you have, the jar of oil and the jar of flour will never run dry. And sure enough, she has enough to eat. God provides for the one who makes a gift of the little that she has. And the same thing happens in the gospel today, something similar at least, that Jesus is sitting in the temple watching all of these rich people give from their surplus to the treasury of the temple. And all of the gold and all of the finery of that glorious temple that was in Jerusalem before it was destroyed um, in eight, some, around 80 AD, the one that Jesus would have been in, gone up to every Passover, the people of Israel, it was the, their pride and joy because all the rich people had contributed to the treasury. But this, little, this, this woman who puts in the little that she has, a few cents, into the treasury, he says, Behold, she has given more than all the other contributors because they all gave from their extra and she gave from her poverty. Of course, it's not literally that she gave more. She gave actually much, much, much less. But it's from her poverty that she gives, not from the excess, not from all of the extra stuff she has. 
It reminds me also of something I read in high school, a book called The Art of Loving by Eric Fromm, a German. And I don't remember much from the book. It was years ago that I read it. But I remember one insight that has stuck with me for all of these years, which is that to be truly rich is not to have a lot of stuff. To be truly rich is have enough to share. In other words, you can have tons and tons of material possessions, tons and tons of money. But if you are such a tight grip on it, you think, I can't spare even one dime. If you're, if you're a miser, if you're like Ebenezer Scrooge and can't spare, that means you're actually poor because you don't have extra. You don't think that you can spare a dime. But even if you have very, very little, if you're willing to share it all, you're rich in abundance. And that's what love actually looks like. It's abundant. And so Jesus, who walked the earth and couldn't, didn't have two nickels to rub together, when they had to pay the treasury tax, he sent out Peter fishing, and miraculously he caught a fish that had two coins in it. Do you remember that story? He depended totally on God for everything that he needed, but he never lacked for anything. And St. Paul says in, in the hymn of the, Philippi, the letter to the Philippians that he did not think of divinity being, made in the, being in the form of God as something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. The Greek word for emptying oneself is kenosis. Kenosis. And that's the whole pattern of the Bible uh, of what God does for us and what he asks for his followers, his children to do as well, to empty ourselves. And so the richest man that ever walked this earth is the one who completely emptied himself out down to the last drop of blood. He gave his whole self and so proved that he was rich in abundance. That he, he didn't hold on to anything for himself. He didn't hoard his riches. He didn't hoard what was given to him. He opened his hands and shared it. And so it's counterintuitive. We think that if there's not enough time, I have to hoard what little time I have. If there's not enough money, I have to hold on to every dime I have. If I don't have enough energy, if I'm tired, then I have to, to, to keep people from obligating me to, to use up my energy in ways that I, I haven't you know, willingly done. But actually, the truth of the matter is that if you feel you don't have anything to spare, start giving it away, and God will provide. But, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, that you are giving and giving and giving, and God keeps asking and asking and asking, and you just don't have anything else to give, and you don't feel that abundance that God provides for you when you open your hands and give. I remember, for instance, there was a priest when I was in seminary who said, when you're first ordained, say yes to everything. What he meant was that, you know, don't guard yourself. Get out into the world, out into the parish, out into people's lives. If people invite you over to dinner, even if you don't feel like going, just say yes. If people invite you to give a retreat or a talk or, or something at a parish group, just say yes. Show up to everything so you get to know the people. And you, Well, I tried that. And after a while, I start to become bitter, resentful, tired, and I remember there was this one email I got after I had all these, my calendar was full of all these obligations because I had said yes to everything. And somebody sends me an email, says, hey, we're looking to make a, a vocations poster and we need a priest to, to, to sit for a photo shoot where you're like pretending to hear a confession, we need a picture. And I was about to reply and, say, and give my availability and say yes. And then I thought, I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's not a good use of my time. Right? They can dress up any 
person in a clerical shirt and take a picture of them. I, they don't need me for that. Right? And I realized that in, say, in just being totally open-handed and letting my life kind of pour out like water on the sand, I wasn't doing anybody any good, least of all myself or God. Because what's important isn't, that we, isn't the stuff we give, isn't the time we give or the energy we give. It's the quality of our availability to God and to one another. Because if I'm just running and running and running and I can't let anyone down and I don't want anybody to be disappointed in me and I want everybody to be happy and to think I'm doing a good job and so I work, work, work and give, give, give but inside I'm bitter, tired, depressed, constantly worrying about what people think of me and whether or not I'm doing a good enough job, I'm not actually free. I'm not actually giving. And so the challenge then is to empty myself even of that even of that pride, even of that sort of feeling that I am the center of the universe and if I am not here to give, then all of these people will be left disappointed without enough. I need to give in order for the world to keep turning. To empty myself even of that and to recognize that I don't actually have anything to give. That I am the widow in the temple with just a few cents that, I, that is actually the greatest contribution that I can put into the treasury, is myself. I, don't, I haven't been given all of these riches. I'm not so special that I have stuff to give that, that the world will lack if I don't give it. It's that what God really wants is myself. And so the question is, am I living in abundance? Do I feel that God is providing for me? Or do I feel like I have to scrape whatever little energy or whatever little money or whatever little time or resources I have left and I'm running short, but I just have to keep on giving for God to love me? Because if I feel like that, I'm probably not the poor widow. I'm probably not the one that's giving more than all of the rich people giving from their surplus. Because I don't have a surplus. I lack. Because Jesus provides for those who make a gift of themselves. Jesus provides for those who don't hold anything back. So if I don't feel that provision, if I don't feel that providence of God, then I'm still holding on to something, whether it's my pride, my self-importance, my ego. And that's why I'm worn down, that I don't have open hands. Finish with this. St. Augustine, one of my favorite quotes, says that God gives where he finds empty hands. A beautiful quote. God gives where he finds empty hands. Meaning, God himself is love. He's gift. He is self-emptying love. Even right now, Christ is emptying himself on this altar to give himself to you. But he looks for empty hands. But if my hands are full of stuff, full of concerns, obligations, then he has nowhere to put his stuff. He has nowhere to put himself. And so the object of my prayer, of my life, of my spiritual life, is to examine what have I held on to. It might be money, like the scribes and Pharisees. It might be seats of honor at banquets. It might be people thinking I'm really important or special. But let me empty my hands of it and just let it fall to the ground. And so that God can look at me and see Two empty hands, ready to receive whatever he wants to give me. 
in abundance. Because God looks for the poor. He looks for emptiness to fill it up. God is gift itself. God is love itself. And so if I feel poor, that God is not pouring himself into my poverty, then I must be trying to provide for myself. I must have something that I won't let go of. Let it go and let God provide for you.